When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible Podcast, and welcome to the next installment of our annual Countdown to Camp Summer Series, as today we are going to share with you our in-depth preview of the Chicago Bears wide receivers. Now, I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and today I am joined by my co-hosts, Nicholas Moriano and Brandon Hazlett, and before the three of us start on the wideouts, I do want to take a moment to discuss some of the Bears' news of the week. And so getting into this week's news, I believe the biggest one to talk about here, guys, is uh, Trey Burton. He did undergo sports hernia surgery this offseason, so he's not participating in OTAs. Matt Nagy said that he should be go ready to go for training camp. He said that's the goal. That's the ideal situation. Uh, so that sounds promising. But, Nick, I wanted to go over to you. This was a surprise when I heard this just the other day throughout the press conference. When you heard that, what was your initial thought or two about Trey Burton, the tight end situation, the surgery, those sorts of things. You know, the first thing I actually thought about was the playoff game that he missed. So now there's some like, I guess, legitimacy as to why Trey Burton was held out. So that's the first thing I initially thought of, because a lot of speculation rumors are going around. Well, is Trey Burton the guy is a moment too big for him? And then you hear that he has uh, he is going to go undergo the surgery and he's going to miss some time here. And that's what I thought about. But. Now thinking back to it, now this is going to give a lot more opportunities to some of these unproven tight ends to start off this 2019 season right now. So obviously there's good, there's bads with it. You just got to look at both sides of the situation. But that's just kind of what I was thinking about when I heard the, the news about Trey Burton just the other day. Yeah, leave it to the Bears for two weeks in a row. Provide us with some sort of news about the position that we just talked about throughout the Countdown to Camp series. <laughs> it happened with Bradley Soule. It happened now here with Trey Burton. Nick, I think you hit it in the head when you said it kind of changes that narrative that was around Trey Burton missing the Eagles game. Uh, we deliberately made sure not to really talk about it on the podcast because a lot of it was you know, just speculation, people's assumptions, because we never really heard anything from the Chicago Bears of really too much like information of why he missed that game. Obviously here, dealing with the hernia, that's going to make you miss some time. And it's an injury that you can play through. But I'm surely he played through it uh, for a good chunk at the end of that season. And it was a reason maybe why we saw the production take a dip. We talked about that last week. And, of course, why he was able to miss that game. And on top of that, that opens up the door for those other guys. You talked about it, those young ones. Dax Raymond, uh, getting some extra looks here in OTAs. It's going to give them like a jump start as they kind of head in to training camp. Something they may not have gotten if Trey Burton was healthy. What about you, B? Anything you want to add about Trey Burton? 
Yeah, I kind of forgot that he didn't really play in that playoff game because I wanted to put that memory away and never pull it back after the way it ended. So I kind of didn't really pay much attention to him not playing in that game uh, until it was resurfaced. And it makes a lot of sense that that's, that you know, like Nick said, a legitimate reason to miss that game. And also just to piggyback off your guys' point, it really does open the door for some of these guys uh, to show what they can do at the the wide tight end position, see if any of them are really cut out to do it or not cut out to do it, which I'm sure we know which ones aren't and which ones are, at least have somewhat of a chance, but it really opens the door for someone else to step up. You need to learn your alphabet B. He's a U tight end. Oh. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> other way. <laughs> like you messed up. Not on the line. <laughs> All right. And the other thing I want to mention uh, is the Bears 100 celebration weekend. Nick, I think it may be time to kind of let people know that you and I, uh, our writer, Steve Letizia, our graphic designer, Jordan Grimes, we're actually going to be there. Uh, you and I and Steve, uh, for sure, throughout the weekend. Some of the other people on our staff may pop in from here and there. Um, but yeah, do you think we should let people know that? I think it might be a good idea. We are going to be there. It was just last minute too that we kind of all decided. It really was on. It was my fault that we were yep. even decided so late. So sorry about that. But we will be there next weekend. Really looking forward to it. There's going to be. There's such a great cast that they have there. It's amazing about all the number of just Bears players. Uh, obviously, media people will be there. So there's just so much that's going to be happening. Look, really looking forward to it. Hopefully, we meet a lot. Finally. A bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com fans there as well uh please feel free i think uh we'll we'll obviously be walking around seeing whatever they have there but feel free to just kind of stop by say hello we're more than welcome to say you know and meet meet some of our fans i mean it would be great to great to do that yeah it's always great no matter where we go we always run into people who enjoy the shows and if you don't know our faces we'll be wearing some chicago audible shirts throughout the weekend so you'll definitely know uh, who we are so if you are wanting to maybe meet up a few ways you could reach out beforehand uh Send me an email, will at chicagoaudible.com. Send us a message on Facebook, or hey, send us a direct message there on Twitter as well. And I'm sure Nick wouldn't mind a DM or two on Twitter either, because I know how uh, he likes to get those once in a while, right? Uh, are you saying that people should slide into my DMs, Will? Is that what you're saying right now? <laughs> I didn't use those words per se, but yes, exactly. <laughs> and two more things about 100 Weekend that Nick doesn't know about, but I'm going to just put him kind of not on the spot, but he's going to learn as you do too. listening. Number one, uh, we're going to do a podcast about that weekend the following Monday. Uh, so Nick, prepare for that. It's your fault that we're uh, playing this late. So that's going to be not a punishment because I love doing podcasts with you, um, but something to plan for. And on top of that, I'm sure we're going to do some live streams, some Periscope, some Facebook lives throughout the weekend as well. So just a good reason if you don't do so already to help follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, who knows, maybe we'll slide a video or two here on YouTube as well. Anything else, Nick, do you think we should mention or did we cover it? I think we just about covered it. Is there someone in particular, Will, that you're really looking forward to uh, just hearing from or seeing at the Bears 100 event? Yeah, Gil Sayers. I, I just something. I, I mean, I have his lunchbox behind me on my desk. It's signed, autographed. I won it in an auction. Uh, not nearly as authentic as meeting uh, the player in person. And Gil Sayers, on top of Walter Payton, was one of my favorite Bears growing up. Uh, just the storied history of the running backs and what he was able to do in such a short amount of time. The fact that his legacy is so 
large, yet his career was so short compared to what other guys were able to do here in Chicago. He's definitely one of my guys. What about you, Nick? Oh, it's Devin Hester. I've been winding. I went <laughs> yeah. to his camp when I was younger, but this would be a cool opportunity if I get to you know meet him next weekend. That would be awesome. Absolutely. All right, getting back to Bears news, Bears news. Do you guys have anything else that kind of stuck out to you throughout the week? Because for me, the Bears had that press conference, but it felt like a lot of that typical offseason talk, a.k.a. we're progressing, we're pleased with the guys, people are putting in the work, those sorts of you know coach kind of speak uh, mantras. But did anything kind of stick out to you out of all that or any other news that you wanted to bring up? Nick, I'll go to you first. Um, not nothing really stood out. I mean, I think hearing Cleo Mack say that he wants to be the greatest of all time at his position, obviously, uh, very encouraging to hear. And realistically, maybe is is it possible that Cleo Mack could be uh, go down as the greatest outside linebacker to ever play this game? Hey, I mean, he's doing a pretty good start of at it so far, but we'll see where his career takes him. It's only it's only just beginning, really, which is crazy. He's in the prime of his career, but let's see what Khalil Mack can do. Uh, I only expect great things from from him. What about you, B? Anything on your docket? Yeah, just hearing more of the Cody White here, James Daniels switched uh, center guard, kind of like I didn't think would happen, but it's end up happening now because <laughs> you know you talk about it for three straight weeks. That means it's probably going to happen, and I'm just glad that they figured it out uh, in the spring rather than uh, late or early. September, late August. So I, I think that, that they're doing it right this time, finally, uh, with an offensive lineman switch. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that they're they're doing it where these guys are natural in their positions. Uh, so I'm interested to see how it's all going to work out. All right. Yeah, I think that about sums it. A lot of talk about Mitch this week as well, just where his progress is. Things that I think we expect to hear from the coaches in terms of him uh, learning to master the offense. Now he's no longer learning it, taking more command of the offense, the huddle, those sorts of things. But really nothing to hit home about and things that we can definitely discuss as we talk about the quarterbacks here in just a couple weeks. But let's go ahead and just dive right in now to the nitty gritty of the show and talk about those wide ups, wide ups. Wow. Wide outs. If you didn't know, I've been up since 530 in the morning working straight on <laughs> through. It's been like 14 and a half hours, guys. Perseverance. So those wide outs. And let's begin with four returning players that saw snaps last year and let's begin with Allen Robinson. He's entering his second year of his three year forty two million dollar deal that he signed last offseason. He's coming off his knee injury obviously last year. He had a very strong first season in Chicago that included fifty five catches for over seven hundred yards. Obviously since then he's been putting in the work this offseason. Uh one of the more notable elements of that is that he did work out with Mitch Trubisky in March down in California. And I think I can speak for a lot of my fellow Bears fans when I say that I hope that what we saw from Allen Robinson in that playoff game, 10 catches, 143 yards, one touchdown, is something that he can kind of build upon in 2019. And it's more than just the stats because in that game, Robinson was continually hauling in crucial catches, keep drives alive, and put needed points on the board. And that's what number one wideouts do in this league. So speaking of which, guys, even though this wide receiver room is crowded and we expect the, you know, the touches, the targets again to get uh, divvied up uh, every which way, uh, can Robinson emerge as that number one guy this season? Not in the depth chart because that's where he is, but grow into this role that's typically seen out of that better number one wideout in the NFL. And Nick, I want to go to you first. You know, I think he's already that wide receiver, that number one on this Bears team. In terms of what all these guys can do, they're all um, good at their own unique things. But I think Allen Robinson is the most polished wide receiver in all aspects of being a receiver. Um, so I, I absolutely do believe that. And remember, he was coming off of a torn ACL starting in the beginning of uh, 2018. So he had to 
deal with that. You're learning a new offense. So I think we're just seeing the the floor really of what Allen Robinson's able to do in Matt Nagy's offense. And obviously Mitch Trubisky was going through the offense, learning new things as they were going and they were had to develop that chemistry. This is all different now. Everything's uh, I think as Matt Nagy said uh, in last uh, what a couple days ago, uh, 2.0 is where this offense is at. And I think that's where you're going to see Allen Robinson and the chemistry with Mitch Trubisky really start to become what we envisioned here in Chicago when they signed him. So I absolutely believe that Allen Robinson could take that next step. And I already think he is at being the number one wide receiver on this team. I think that when, when you look at what this offense is probably going to be able to do in 2019, Allen Robinson's definitely going to be a focal point in it. What about you, B? Do you think he can grow into be a wide receiver, uh, someone who I keep kind of drawing some comparisons to or someone that I would love for him to kind of aspire to be is like a Michael Thomas down there in New Orleans. Can he become that kind of go-to guy? Yeah, especially because he's got the ability to make these big catches in traffic. It's something that you see on his highlight reel or regular game tape. It's just that he's able to get in position in traffic, fight through the hands, fight through the contact, and make focused catches, and that plays a big part in separating him from other receivers on this team. Taylor Gabriel and Anthony Miller can do those things, but Allen Robinson's plays seem to stand out a little bit more. I think that's just because of the big body, uh, the bigger radius, catch radius. He's able to do those things very well, and I think that's what's going to separate him from being the number one compared to a Taylor Gabriel, who if you're if you're new to the show, I like to say that Taylor Gabriel's the guy that you know makes quarterbacks better. The QBR is always better when they throw his way. But I think Allen Robinson could definitely take that role from him. He didn't have as many receptions as last year, because uh, he missed a few games in there, but I think if he could put together a full healthy year, then I think that it, he's really going to take that step. Now, I kind of want to talk about some maybe ways that he can continue to further his game. And I think we can say that of every player on this roster. Um, but for me, I just want to begin with Allen Robinson. Something reflecting on last year that I want to see him improve upon is his red zone production. He was second on the team last year in red zone targets. He had 16 but he had the worst completion percentage down there. Only 31.25% of the balls that went his way, he was able to haul in. And if he wants to be what I'm calling that, you know, prototypical number one guy, if he can find a way to improve that number to about 60% or higher, that would go a long way. And again, Saints Michael Thomas, just for reference, uh, he got 78% of his red zone targets despite seeing nearly double the targets, 31 last year. So it's definitely obtainable. I think there's too many times where, Allen Robinson was targeted in the red zone and they were missed opportunities. And some of that's on quarterback play, but we're not talking about Mitch today. Uh, So getting back to the plays that are in Robinson hands, that's something that I want to see him kind of uh, own a little bit more. And again, another year off of the, you know, knee injury, fully healthy off season to kind of put in the work because this time last year, he was still in the sidelines, still kind of getting healthy. I think he can do it. And for me, the red zones, that one area, if he can turn around that production, that's going to be huge for the Bears in this offense because last year, Tariq Cohen was the most productive player in the red zone. We need a wideout to assume that role and then have everyone else be supplemental pieces. But what about you, Nick? Do you have any areas of you know, Robinson's game that you want to kind of see him take some next steps in? Yeah, but before I go to an area where he could, you know, get better at at, for 2019, I just want to mention like the red zone where I thought he excelled at was setting other people up for success. Because when you look back at Robinson, two of the touchdowns last year that happened 
Uh, one against he was a decoy again in the Tampa Bay game because he's just running that natural pick route and it was a, a touchdown. I forget who ends up catching it, but it was in Tampa Bay game. And then also for Taquan Mizell in the game against the Detroit Lions, that's where Allen Robinson's more so the decoy. And I know that does um, he wasn't targeted on those plays, but he's setting people up for success. And I think that's key because Allen Robinson is a focal point in the Spurs offense. Good point. Well, if you can. So if you can make him a decoy on some plays, it ends up with touchdowns for other guys. But an area that I was just watching film on for Allen Robinson, where he can definitely make some improvements on, look, overall, I think Allen Robinson's a great route runner. He's just very precise and where he needs to cut and just be at on the field at all times. But it was sometimes on out routes where I noticed that Robinson would drift a little upfield instead of maybe coming on a hard cut to the sideline where the ball needs to be placed perfectly. Two times when this happened where just that stick out to my mind, think back to the wild card playoff game where Mitch Trubisky almost throws that interception uh, to the right side of the field where the corner reads it perfectly. If you notice it, go back to that play one Trubisky's a little late. So that has to deal why with maybe it was almost intercepted, but Allen Robinson's drifting a little upfield where the first down marker is precisely forget what yardage marker it's at. But if, Robinson's coming down straight down the line where that first down is at. You don't need to drift up field. Maybe that pass is maybe completed instead of intercepted. And there was also another time where you saw that from Robinson on these out routes, he drifts up a little, little upfield. So you want to see him come down flat to wherever this marker's at to get the first down, as opposed to drifting up field a little, that's going to expose your quarterback to maybe throw those risky passes and able to get intercepted. What about you, B? Anything positive or negative on Robinson uh, and that you're looking at one way or another as you were going towards training camp? He's got great field awareness. If you watch some of the replays. I mean, he gets he toe taps on the sideline very well. He always seems to know where he's at. Like Nick said, route running could improve a little bit better. Another thing, too, that I think might be able to help him in the red zone is if you get off the ball a little bit faster. It seems like there's times where he's not always getting off as quick as it's as it's snapped or as fast as some of the other guys out there at the wide receiver. And I think part of that's just because he's got longer legs. His strides are a lot longer than Anthony Miller or Taylor Gabriel. So that, you know, longer legs, you know, kind of cause you to react a little bit slower. Uh, I got longer legs, so it takes me a little bit longer to respond to some of these things, you know, but, uh, you know, if, I, if I'm running routes, running a 40 or whatever, I'm always slow off the start because I've got longer legs. I would think that Allen Robinson has the same issues, but I think if he can improve his foot speed or his acceleration in one way or another to be able to get off the line, I think that would really help uh, him being able to be a bigger productive player in the red zone. How often are you running 40s? <laughs> uh, at least once a week in my backyard when no one's watching because it's that slow. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. One last thing on Robinson, guys, and it's just expectations for 2019 uh, for all the reasons that we've talked about. Obviously, we're all expecting more out of him than this time a year ago. So right back to Brandon. What are going to be your expectations for Allen Robinson here in year two? I think for him to really have a, a successful year, I'll kind of hover it with the the realistic expectations. I've got him hovering around 63, 65 receptions. I think if he plays all 16 games, He'll get over 800 yards, but I think where he really needs to step up is that touchdown category. And I've got him pegged at seven because I think he's a guy that can absolutely take that role, uh, the bigger red zone threat like we talked about. Uh, he's got so much playmaking ability and can make these catches in traffic. I think if he can just continue to focus and get better on those aspects of the game, he can get the seven touchdowns, and that would make it a successful season for him. Realistically, I've got it pegged at like five. And if he's catching seven touchdowns, probably a successful season for Mitch as well, if that's going to be the case. But getting ahead of ourselves by two weeks here. Nick, over to you. What's going to make 
2019 a successful year for Allen Robinson? You know, if he can play all 16 games, it's always going to factor into being a successful season. But I want to see Allen Robinson get to that 1,000-yard marker. I think if he barely gets it, that's fine. But he is the number one wide receiver on this team. He's being paid like it. And the 55 receptions, I remember just uh, seeing that initially. I'm like, man. 55, that's obviously not as much as I was expecting going into the season. Taylor Gabriel had more than him. I want to see that at least maybe 70, 75. I think he's capable of it. I know that the Bears have a lot of offensive weapons, but I think if you're throwing to Allen Robinson, that's usually a good indication for the offense of getting first downs, touchdowns. He's a great wide receiver. He knows how to get open, knows how to position his body right, has good hands, good route runners. So I think if he's around that 75 reception mark, 1,000-yard season, you can get six touchdowns, that'd be fantastic. But I think that would be a successful season for a number one wide receiver, and that is Allen Robinson. All right, 1K for number 12 is Nick's expectations. Lofty expectations, but definitely obtainable. All right, so up next, we're going to talk about the wideout that set a bunch of a career highs a season ago. But before we get to him, uh, we just need to call a quick timeout to tell you a little bit about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make it get it even get it? making it difficult to the games on purpose. Just as difficult it was to read that line. Yes, very much so. The real question is, just how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves that there is a better way. In an industry that tends to be stagnant, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. And why is SeatGeek better than the rest? Well, number one, a quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? And simply put, SeatGeek is a better process because they pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. They rate each on a deal on a scale to 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map, one that I've talked about in the podcast a lot and one that I love because it makes searching for tickets uh, very you know, convenient, very easy, and you get to kind of get a glimpse of what kind of view you're looking at with the tickets uh, that you're kind of debating about purchasing. And again, on SeatGeek, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And the best part of all is that, of course, we use the SeatGeek app, and we want you to do it as well. And it's by far the easiest and fastest way that we've been able to get tickets. In fact, again, I've been looking at tickets for all the Chicago Bears games. Uh, right now, the one that I hope you go to is the one that we're going to, Bears Chiefs, coming up in December. Uh, if you're looking to go to a game and a big one towards the end of the year as we're making that playoff push, definitely check out the Bears Chiefs as there's still plenty of amazing deals available. And again, the closer that we get to the season, probably the higher the prices you're going to get and the less amazing deals that you're going to be able to snag up. And on top of that, Seeky will even give you $10 off your first Seeky purchase. And all you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code BEARS for $10 off your first purchase. And again, that promo code is BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. And if you're looking for some quick links, just go to chicagoaudible.com slash tickets, and we have everything right there to link you to SeatGeek. That way, making your end promo codes right there as well, which makes it even easier on top of that. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Little Wit. I'm joined by my co-hosts. Some would call them uh, my brothers that also enjoy watching the Bears. And we are sitting here in Countdown to Camp talking about the Chicago Bears wide receivers. And we're moving right along to Taylor Gabriel. He was another free agent, just like Allen Robinson from a year ago. Gabriel was able to exceed 
all of our expectations. And again, I guess that's what happens when you nearly double your career high for catches with 67 last season. And after going back and reviewing his 2018, I'm curious, guys, do you see any growth opportunities for him? Or is he about where he's going to get at this stage of his career? Because I feel like in this offense in 2019, he's not going to be seeing 93 targets again. So I think he's going to need to make the most of his opportunities. So let's go over to Brandon first. Do you see any room for improvement out of Gabriel or is he, you know, what you see is what you get? I think what you see is what you get, but you're not getting a bad product either because he makes your quarterback better. And I've said that multiple times, I think almost to the point where it's kind of annoying. Um, but he's he's just such a an oddball threat because he's so fast he could burn you deep if you're being too aggressive and trying to shut him down at the line and he beats you. Or he could just use a quick slant, which is where he got, I think, a lot of his uh, opportunities was on these short routes so he's able to get more yards after the catch make bigger plays that way so regardless how you defend him uh, he's just so versatile and such a good receiver that it's it's very hard to defend him and that's why he had such a successful year in an offense like this what about you nick you know i honestly think that what we saw from taylor gabriel last season um it's going to probably be where his high point is in his bears career i was not expecting him to have the numbers that he did to uh, be as targeted as much as he was just because he hadn't done it before. So I think when this offense, and now they're going to be obviously divvying up where uh, the reception are going to go next season, 2019. I just don't, I don't foresee that happening again. He's a deep ball threat who can also, you know, burn you deep uh, on some, you know, shorter plays, run the bubble routes, of course, but I don't see him reaching those numbers again, just because of the other guys that are around him. And I think Matt Nagy did a good job of kind of, moving him around at times uh majority of the time he was in that slot position but he did play a little bit or most majority of the time he was on the outside but you did see him have a couple of rushing attempts you saw him in the slot a couple of times so i think that helps to get taylor gabriel open and give him these opportunities that he had but i just don't see him being able to replicate or be even better than he was in 2018 yeah i agree because like i said the touches are going to be divided up a little bit more you know um Toughly, I'm going to say this year. And on top of that, too, uh, one thing that I've, I'm thinking about, though, as I'm saying that is with all the you know other focus on some of the other players that could keep him open. And if that's the case, he could still see not huge numbers, but still very modest in um, numbers that kind of be still considered that wide receiver number two in this offense. So speaking of numbers, looking at uh, 2019 again, last year, he set career highs in targets, catches, yards. What would 2019 look like for you and one that you would deem a success, even if the numbers are a little bit lower? B? I'm going to have him kind of similar to what he was last year. I've got him right now at 64 receptions, 700 yards, and and five touchdowns. I think that's successful for him because it kind of keeps that steady pace that we've seen. I think he'll continue to get his opportunities. I think that they're going to throw the ball a little bit more this year, so I don't necessarily see his opportunities dipping, but I could definitely see his statistical production dipping, yes. Nick, how about you? Do you have some expectations? Yeah, so 60, I don't think he's going to get to that mark. I would. I think it would be a successful season for Taylor Gabriel if he can have maybe around that 50 mark. As long as he has those big plays that we, we saw from Taylor Gabriel last season, I think that's what you want him to be, that deep threat to where just one one of those kind of plays can change really the, the atmosphere of the game, just swapping field. That's what I want to see Taylor Gabriel have. So maybe 50 receptions, 500 yards in 
we'll give him three touchdowns, one more than he had last season. I think that would be a successful season for Taylor Gabriel. And I think with the Bears, they they did like to throw the deep ball, third most uh, out of any team last season. So and I think you expect Trubisky to be better with his deep ball, maybe hit on some of those opportunities that they missed last season. Nick, you had a good point, and I'd be curious because I know that you've been you know, diving deep into the film. Did you see any reason why he only had the two touchdowns a year ago? Because he was out there uh, the most of any wide receiver on this team last year, a big reason why he probably had all those targets and catches. But he did struggle to find Pater. Is that because of his size once he reached a red zone? You know, I think in, in terms of uh, things that can factor into why Taylor Gabriel maybe should, wasn't as successful as he could have been, I think there was just inconsistency at the quarterback position. There was a times where Trubisky just didn't uh, hit Gabriel when he was open. There were times that uh, he did. So I think that just the up and down, the new offense, and kind of figuring things out, I think that's really what was the biggest factor. Look, if Taylor Gabriel has a free release off the line of scrimmage and he does a great job of using his shoulders and head fakes to do that, there's big plays that are waiting to happen. But if not, if he's jammed at the line of scrimmage, that's really going to disrupt the timing, uh, the flow of any play. So it really depends on what kind of defense they're playing on Gabriel. But if he gets a free release and Mitch Trubisky is able to identify that and throw an accurate pass, Taylor Gabriel should be a lot more uh, successful and have a lot more opportunities to make some of these bigger plays. All right, moving right along, Anthony Miller, last year's second-round pick. Miller put together a strong rookie campaign despite despite playing with only one arm for the vast majority of the season. I mean, he did lead the team in receiving touchdowns with seven, for crying out loud. So let's go ahead and take the shoulder out of the equation just for a moment because it's definitely something we need to kind of discuss. Even though he had a very impressive rookie year, I want to know what are some of the areas of his game that you want to see progress in. Uh, For me, real quickly, it's pretty simple. Hands. Uh, He led the team last year with four drops. And, yes, I'm going to admit, and I said forget about the shoulder, but that could have played a role in that wearing that harness, not being able to move uh, your arm as quickly as you would like. Um, But I do believe, looking back, some of those were focus drops. Uh, So for him to kind of work on those hands – uh, is going to be one of my things. Again, only four drops last year, and that's leading the team. Just kind of to show you uh, just how well the Bears were as a unit of hauling in that football consistently last year. But that's just the one kind of nitpicky element to his game that I want to see progress in, despite that, you know, prototypical, uh, you know, steps forward that you're going to see from year one in the NFL to a year two. Nick, when you're watching the film, what are some things that you want to see Anthony Miller uh, kind of elevate? You know, it's not even on his part that I want to see elevate. It's really how Matt Nagy is able to use him. It, they, Anthony Miller had 615 offensive snaps. 425 were from the slot, and that's where Anthony Miller does his most work. 171 of those 615 snaps were at wide receiver. I think Anthony Miller, you can really put him anywhere you want on the field, and he's going to be able to do some good things. So I want to see Matt Nagy actually go into utilizing him a little bit more. I know it was his rookie season and kind of implementing it to the offense, and he was dealing with the injury, but I think for – Anthony Miller, and I I expect him to have uh, a way more productive 2019 than 2018, just put him on the field at different spots. That's going to open some things up for him. Um, In terms of his play, I think there were times where – he, he likes to wear his emotions on his sleeves. He really does. He really likes to uh, get animated when he makes big plays. But there are times where you see him a little frustrated when, he, when he's not able to haul in a catch. Uh, you saw that there was a deep ball down the middle of the field going back to that wild card playoff game against the How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. 
Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. He knows he should have caught that ball. I don't know how that affects his play moving forward, but I think you just need to always have somewhat of a level head. And yes, of course, when you make a big time play, you you celebrate it, but have a level head no matter where you're at or no matter what the situation is, just so uh, DB doesn't get the best of you at times. But I think that overall, Anthony Miller is a wide receiver that can really uh, run great routes. Has I know he hit, led the team with the most drops, but I think for the most part, he does have good hands and is able to be uh, a receiver that Mitch Trubisky is going to definitely be able to rely on come 2019. Absolutely. What about you, B? Anything that you wanted to work on or any of his strengths that you want to kind of highlight here? Yeah, I kind of want to piggyback off of what Nick said about him being emotional after drop catches. There was a play when we were in Miami. It was early in the game. Anthony Miller had a an opportunity. He was open in the middle of the field, and Mitch missed him, and he was a little animated after that. But later in the game, they go back to that same exact play, and he scores a touchdown on it because everything clicked. Uh, so it goes down to not making the same mistake twice. And as long as Miller can keep that in his head, then I think that it's okay that he shows his emotions a little bit. Uh, but one thing I'm interested in seeing him uh, adapt to is really, you know, defenses are going to have him on his, on their tape now. So they're going to make some adjustments on how they defend him. And I, I'm interested to see how that affects him because he's a really good route runner. He can get himself open and it kind of goes hand in hand in with what you were saying, Nick is where uh, Matt Nagy utilizes him. Uh, but he's going to have to adapt a little bit because uh, theoretically now that we have a, a number one ranked schedule, the defenses should theoretically be getting tougher. And we talked about it earlier in the offseason. I don't know that it was necessarily the case by a big margin as far as if the defenses are getting better or not. But regardless, they have tape on him now. So it's going to be interesting to see how he adjusts his game uh, to be able to bring out something new, a different trick out of the bag or something like that. And I think being healthy is going to play a big part in that. All right. Now, getting back to that shoulder surgery, uh, just wanted to mention it because he is missing some time throughout OTAs. I would be curious real quick. Nick, do you think that's going to affect him at all? I don't really think so. Do you? No, I don't think it's going to have a huge um, role into the chemistry that he has with Trubisky heading into 2019. Uh, obviously, you would like to see him out there, but I think Miller uh, having you know one season under his belt in the NFL, professional, knows how to take care of his business, will go when he's done, when he's fully recovered, go back into the offense, get back acclimated to, you know, just working out and get, gaining this chemistry. So I'm not too worried about that. He is obviously a still a young guy, but I think that he knows what it takes to be a great NFL wide receiver. So he has to make the proper adjustments. If not, um, you'll see it in his play. All right. Now over to our expectation time. Brandon, over to you. Uh, 2019, Anthony Miller, what are we going to get? I, I had a hard time pegging receptions for him. I think he had 33, 35-ish yep. last season. Uh, and I think that he can get to 40. I really do. But when I look at all the other uh, weapons on this offense, they have a hard time getting him there. So I'm going to keep him at mid-30s. And I think if he eclipses 500 yards, we can call that a successful season, and it's going to be really tough to duplicate seven touchdowns, again, with all the weapons on this offense. So I'll put him at, at three or four this year. I just think seven is going to be really tough to duplicate. And I think, uh, like we talked about earlier, Allen Robinson takes a bigger step. Uh, so I think he takes some of those touchdowns away from Anthony. All right. I think personally, I'm really hoping to see over 40 catches, hopefully over 45 catches from Anthony Miller. I want to see the football in his hands more because when he does have the ball in his hands, he usually makes someone miss and then exciting things happen. He was 
the number one wideout on the Chicago Bears the last year in terms of yards after the catch, um, on average gaining five additional yards per every reception, which is a stat that uh, tickles me pink, to say the least, because I'm very excited <laughs> to see if he can. I know, guys, um, my metaphors today are amazing. I know I'm on my A game, but uh, let's go over to Nick so I can shut up. Uh, expectations for Anthony Miller? Yeah, I would like to see him over that 40 catch mark as well, maybe closer to 50. That's where I see the swing kind of happening. It's Gabriel and Miller. I see uh, Gabriel's production going mm-hmm. down, Miller's going up, and you made a great point. And, Will, I, I, we must share notes because this happens every episode, but you stole mine this time with the the yak. He, in terms of uh, the catches, he, 33 receptions, those 170 yards were after the catch. So, um, again, that was the highest um, – yards per catch per reception um, on the team. And I think that when you look at Anthony Miller, when he does get the ball in his hands, he does good things after the catch. There's one play and it's not going to show up on any highlight reels or anything like that. Second down uh, against Arizona. They're on the 36 yard line. It's the second quarter, but Miller catches the ball alongside the right sideline and the safety's coming down. It has a perfect angle, but you know how Miller is with, and probably something they can improve on is how he's carrying the football. When he gets in the open field, sometimes he does that one hand crap that will get you off the field. If he fumbles, well, he did that this time and he just made the safety look, look dumb. He's just going towards, he's going into Arizona's bench while Miller's still able to kind of go upfield. He eventually gets pushed out of bounds, but when he gets the ball in his hands, Good things happen. So that's where I see the production for Anthony Miller really elevating because one, he's going to be healthy, be more implemented in this offense. And I think Matt Nagy is just going to find ways to get him the football. All right. Two more things, because I love talking about Anthony Miller. And this is just things I wanted to bring up real quick about him having a healthy shoulder as someone who had six shoulder dislocations and a shoulder surgery. So I understand the difference uh, after some rehab, what you can do before and after. And I really want to go back to the confidence thing, because even though he played with that all year long, the confidence in that shoulder had to be dismal, especially as it kept popping out time after time throughout the season. So I think this is going to help him haul in more balls because he's going to have a wider catch radius because he's not going to be uh, hampered with that harness around his shoulder. And secondarily, it's going to allow him to get more yards after the catch because, Nick, you talked about it, and you just brought up a good point. He loves to use his hands. He loves to use his arms as a way to separate from defenders with the ball in his hands. Well, he only had one arm to do that for the vast majority of last season. So if he has two arms to do that now, he can switch which ball, uh, which hand has the ball, which one he can stiff arm, knock someone down, tear it away. Uh, So for me, uh, those are just two maybe small ways that it can actually help him elevate his game a little bit more than maybe most people outside of the organization are kind of expecting. All right, now Javon Wims. And people are probably wondering, why are we talking about Javon Wims now? I'm going from people who are here first, and then we're going to talk about some of the newcomers. So this is not my projected depth chart. I just want to make sure that's loud and clear. But Javon Wims, he did have an impressive preseason a year ago, but he did spend most of the regular season uh, inactive or on that practice squad. It appeared only in four games, uh, which he had, well, only four catches. Uh, nothing to really write home about, but he did show some promise uh, and what he kind of brought to the table a year ago. And obviously, things are a little bit different now. Wims needs to really earn himself a spot on this roster. So my patented, simple question, complicated answer time. What does Wims need to do in order to prove to the coaches that he's worth a spot? Like, what's that next step for Javon Wims that was maybe missing a year ago or that we saw, you know, flashes of and you're hoping to see more consistency about? And let's go to Brandon first. 
play better than Kevin White did. Because that's basically, I think, where his roster spot was at last year was Kevin White, who was also not playing, spending a lot of time on the bench. So I, I think that if he can show that he's growing, because he's a very raw player. He didn't start playing football until late in his high school days, I guess. Uh, so I, I think as long as he can continue to show growth and show some really good promise, I think that he has a chance to really make the spot as you know maybe the the fifth or sixth receiver on this this roster on this depth chart. I think that there, you know, he's just such a raw talent. You can form and, and morph him any way that you want. And like you said, well, we've seen such good uh, promise out of him in the preseason. And I think that's enough for him to make the roster just based on what we've previously seen in, in a preseason. See, I think it's uh, the NFL is a year in year out kind of prove it league. So if he does flop this preseason or not show out like he did against some of that lesser talent, he could be, somewhere on that bubble uh, as a wide receiver. Nick, I want to go over to you. Is there anything that you want to see out of Javon Wims in training camp that kind of will show you that, hey, this kid's worth a spot on the roster? Yeah, so being at six foot four, about 215 pounds, he's a bigger wide receiver. Most likely uh, for his place on the team, it's probably Allen Robinson's replacement as that X receiver. So what you want to see from him in camp is use that bigger frame, that bigger body to go up and make these contested catches. I think that's going to, if he does end up be being on this 53-man roster, that's how he's going to end up doing it. And being a bigger wide receiver, you have to show that you're a a polished route runner can get open at that size. So, and look, Brandon mentioned it. He's still raw at the position. Um, I think what was he a basketball player, if I'm not mistaken, before this or something mm-hmm. along those lines. He didn't get into to football early on like a lot of these other guys. So he's still kind of learning the intricacies of how you become a good wide receiver in the NFL. So I think those are things you have to see from Javon Wims and being someone that you can trust behind Allen Robinson. You know, if he doesn't play or if an injury happens, he needs to be able to step up and fill that position um, accordingly and run the right routes and be at the precise steps. So there's a lot that goes into it. And it's just going to be really interesting how the Bears play out. It it also depends on what they're looking for. Maybe that fifth, sixth wide receiver spot. Mm -hmm. Do they want someone with size or would they rather take someone with speed? And we'll get into some other guys that have some of those other attributes. But you just got to see him continue to do what he did in preseason last year. And if that happens, he might have a spot in this team. All right. So one last thing on Javon Wims, I've been hearing some rumblings from some bears fans on a potential position switch. And I want to kind of get your guys' thoughts on it. And the idea is move Javon Wims to the U tight end spot to back up Trey Burton. And it's intriguing from a size comparison standpoint, Burton uh, to compare six, three, two thirty fives, Nick, you already kind of uh, hit on whim, 6'4", 215. Uh, now with Trey Burton, now with the hernia surgery this offseason, there is technically some time to toy around with this idea if the Bears want to go. And again, probably not going to see, uh, you know, whims line up on the line of scrimmage doing some, you know, down blocking. But if you line him up in the backfield, line, move him around, put him in a slot, maybe? I'm curious. Brandon, what do you think? I could see it especially because he's, you know, still inexperienced and young. He doesn't have a whole lot of great time in the NFL at wide receiver. You know, we've seen him in the preseason. We've shown how quick he is. And you guys talked about how big he is, especially his size and his frame. So I could definitely see him making that switch if that means he stays on the roster. And if that's something that Matt Nagy wants is another Trey Burton-esque type player, I could see that switch happening. But I think that he's better suited uh, as a long-term project uh, to replace Allen Robinson down the future here. So I I think that he stays at at wide receiver, and then they don't have to sign Allen Robinson to big money. Right, because 
the theory here would be, and it makes sense, is that he would be a mismatch for linebackers. I mean, granted, yeah. he would be. With that size at 6'4", his speed, he would definitely be a mismatch for any linebacker that wants to try to cover him one-on-one. But can he transition? Should he transition, Nick? Just tell us the truth. What should it be? Uh, that's a good question because when I first heard these rumors and maybe, I don't know, maybe a month ago, I was like, there's no way it's not happening. But then you see Matt Nagy's t- changing offensive linemen to tight ends. Running backs are now becoming wide receivers. It's nothing that hasn't been done before. And Javon right. Wim does have the size. He just needs to maybe add a little bit more weight. It could be an option because at tight end after Trey Burton, there are some question marks. If Matt Nagy is looking to maybe do this, I wouldn't look. It wouldn't surprise me if we see Javon Wims in a three point, you know, have his hand in the ground, blocking the edge, and then going for a pass afterwards. It really wouldn't surprise me. Um, but should the Bears do it? It might be the if for Javon Wims' case, it might be the best way for him to make the team because there is this is a pretty stacked wide receiver room. Not so much on the tight end side of it. So I, I'm open to seeing it, but had you, you know, asked me this question maybe a month ago, I, I wasn't for it. I just didn't, I hadn't seen it before, but Matt Nagy loves to just switch positions and try people out and give them, give them opportunities. So I, I think Wims might be a project guy that you can possibly do that with. Maybe moving Bradley Sal to tight end and uh, my Zelda wide receiver is like a big smoke screen because they actually moved Javon Wims to tight end, but they're just not kind of releasing that information. Maybe. But uh, no, you make some good points there, Nick, as a reason to maybe why they would look into it. Um, so if you do say anything on social media about him hanging out with like Adam Shaheen at Chipotle, we know what's up. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. All right, guys, let's go ahead and transition now to the two players that the Bears invested in the most this offseason at the wide receiver position. And number one, Cordero Patterson. He's coming from New England. Uh, he's someone that we've talked about in great length this offseason on the podcast since the Bears signed him early in the free agent period. Uh, in the case you need refresher, he's a hybrid role. Uh, he played that for the Patriots last year. He gained over 200 yards, both on the ground and as a wide receiver for over 400 total yards in that offense. And now the thing with Patterson and this offense is I don't think we know exactly what we're going to get, even in training camp. I don't think we're going to know until week one, until they actually kind of deploy him and put him in a role. But if you guys had to take your best guess, how do you envision Patterson's role being in this offense? Uh, Is he going to get the 63 touches that he saw a year ago? More? Less? B? What's your take? I see him as a backup zebra role to Tariq Cohen because he, he can play running back and he can also play receiver. And he can also play kicker turner. So that's what excites me most about Patterson, honestly. And I'm excited to get to that special team show. It'll be interesting. But regardless, him and him here in the offense, uh, I think that we we know all too well. We've talked about it, how versatile he is. And that's kind of where I've got him pegged is kind of the Tariq Cohen backup. Okay. A much bigger Tariq Cohen. He is. A, the, <laughs> the sizes uh, do not compare. Uh, what about you, Nick? What kind of role do you see Patterson having in this offense? Man, that, that's a good question. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. 
question, Will, because I think Matt Nagy right now is just salivating at the mouth, thinking of all the positions and all the, the formations that he could put Cordero Patterson in and have him have success. I mean, once you see what the Patriots are able to do with him, having 42 rushing attempts, but also 21 receptions as a wide receiver, I mean, the, it's limitless for what Patterson can do. Uh, envisioning, um, it's a tough one for me. I can't I can't really give you specific numbers, but I don't know if he gets to that six that what is it, sixty-three mark that he had touches mm-hmm. on offense like he did uh with the Patriots, because I think the Patriots just needed some guys to run the football at some point. They had some guys go down. So hey, just put in Cordero Patterson. Why not? He's a very uh intricate guy, can versatile, can just do a lot of things with him. I think where we're gonna see Cordero Patterson's impact felt the most though is in that kick returning game because there's just been such a lack of it. So I think in terms of wide receiver, yeah, you'll have your your big plays every now and then, but I think his biggest impact will be at the kick returner spot. So would you say that is going to be what you're most eagerly awaiting to see out of Patterson in training camp is him returning kicks? You know, yes and no, because the kicking game isn't what it once was, but when they, there are opportunities and they come in spurts, I want to see what Cordero Patterson's able to do at the kick return spot because that's just been a position that hasn't produced any excitement, any yardage, any productivity in a long time since Devin Hester was returning kicks. What about you, B? Anything in particular about Patterson that you're kind of waiting for to get to training camp to kind of get your eyes on? Yeah, just really to, to see where he lines up because none of us really – I think I'm the only one that threw out an actual prediction of where he's going to be, and that's a three-cone backup. I didn't really hear any solid answers out of, the, out of you other guys for that, but Ouch. I don't know. It's it's not really even a weakness, but he doesn't really put up big numbers, so that also really doesn't help predicting where he's going to line up anywhere. So it's, it's going to be interesting. I'll be interested to see ultimately where he lines up on offense because I think that's going to – I don't even want to say speak volumes to where he'll play in the offense because Man Nagy didn't show us much in training camp when we went last year. So I don't know. Long story short, I just talked myself out of something I thought I had, and then I didn't have it anymore. So I <laughs> guess just, just talking really out loud see again, where he lines up. You're just talking yes, out loud again, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so one thing I want to note, because you brought up a good point, they, over his career to date, he hasn't put up gaudy numbers. You know, He hasn't lived up to that you know, top, number one pick status. Well, I was thinking about uh, Taylor Gabriel just as when he brought that up about his career numbers and how low they were and how they took a jump. And now I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, the same exact scenario. And of course, this offense is very crowded, but maybe it's one of those guys again that have, you know, modest numbers throughout his career, comes here in Chicago and he gets more than 67 touches. He gets like 80 touches and really becomes a focal point of this offense. We don't know. Like you said, Brandon, something we have to find out. Uh, but him being. Uh, the biggest question mark, I believe, also makes him this unit's biggest X factor because you don't know what you're going to get out of him. But if you get something more than what we're expecting or maybe what the team or opponents are expecting, that's going to go a long way of uh, bringing up the C- uh, yeah, the floor of this positional unit as a whole. All right, and moving on to the next guy here, Riley Ridley, uh, this year's second pick in the draft. Well, our second pick, not the number two overall pick in the draft. You get my point. Uh, Ridley is someone that we're all kind of excited uh, that kind of who fell into our lap. Uh, even though he was one of the better wideouts in this draft class, he does have his work cut out for him. If he wants to see meaningful touches, he's going to have to earn it. And since we haven't been able to see him yet, I want to know what are some of the signs that you're looking for at a Ridley at camp that's going to show you that he's ready to make his mark as a rookie. 
just like Anthony Miller did a year ago, but maybe not to the same degree. Maybe so. I'm curious to kind of see what your expectations, what are those signs at training camp that you're looking for from Riley Ridley? And let's go to Nick first. Yeah, I think some signs are just seeing Riley Ridley um, looking to these veterans on these veteran wide receivers and just kind of picking their brain and how they were able to learn this new offense. I think that's going to be key for him to really be implemented. And why not ask Anthony Miller, the guy that just went through this experience a season ago? I think that's going to be key for um, Riley Ridley being able to get on the field because I think we all know just watching the tape, he can definitely he's a definitely a good route runner, has good hands, uh, can make some big time plays. But I think the thing is he just needs to get out there. And this is a complex offense for for every for any wide receiver, especially a new one coming in. And there are guys that, you know, these are wide receivers. They want the football. Everyone's gonna be competing to get the football, but it is a team game. So you're gonna put everybody in a position to succeed. So I think if Riley Ridley is just, you know, studying his playbook. That's going to be the biggest impact and why he's going to be able to have a significant contribution to the 2019 season. What about you, B? Any further signs? Uh, Nick touched on his route running. I think if he can keep that sharp, that's really going to play a, a big favor uh, for him and also his field awareness. That's something that he does well, uh, does very well as well. Always knows where he's at, knows where the soft spots are at on the defense. As long as he can continue to build his football IQ, study the playbook like Nick was saying, basically just picking backing off of Nick here. Uh, you know, keep studying the playbook, learn the offense, those things, get to really build that uh, chemistry with Mitch. If you can get in with Mitch uh, and be tight with him in that way, then I, I think that he also uh, does himself favors there. So I think that really just keep doing what he's doing, keep working on the route running. Uh, don't be scared to ask questions because uh, he's such a good route runner. He's going to have a complex tree later on or early on. We don't know. It depends how smart he is. Uh, but I think he's really going to excel if he puts himself in the right position. All right, well, I'll give you one moment to get off of Nick's back. I know it doesn't take much. He's like two feet <laughs> off of the ground. Um, hey. But I want to know, Brandon, <laughs> successful season. What would that look like for Lee Nearize? Can he make, and I said this last week uh, as a teaser, and I'm going to use the word again, a splash. But even splash is very subjective at this point. Yeah, splash is tough. Um, if he gets more than 20 receptions, then I would say it's a successful year. And I think that really he only gets that this year is if there's an injury. Because, like you said, this offense is crowded, and we don't know where Kurt Daryl Patterson's lining up. Tariq Cohen can take snaps at wide receiver, too, we've seen. Got to put Trey Burton out there somewhere as well. There's other positions, other players that you really have to consider. So I'm not sure that he gets a great amount of snaps this year. I think that he spends more time on the bench, but not on the practice squad. Okay. Already telling us your roster predictions, but, I mean, obviously, he's a fourth-round pick. He's on the roster. He's not sitting on a practice squad. He can't do that. Nick, how about you? Uh, what are going to be uh, some of your expectations for Riley Ridley? Again, it's very hard until we kind of get to training camp, see where uh, he kind of falls on that depth chart, what kind of opportunities he's going to get. But I think a kid this talented uh, is going to find his way around the football from time to time this season. Yeah, I think so, too. It's just uh, where he was most successful at Georgia was on the outside. So factoring in how Matt Nagy maybe wants to do things, you could move. Uh, Allen Robinson has, you know, has had some snaps at, at slide at times, and so is Taylor Gabriel. So you're, you're if you want to put Riley Ridley out there, it's going to probably be on the outside. But I think in terms of what he might do this season, obviously uh, Anthony Miller had the 33 receptions, 423 yards, seven touchdowns. I don't think he gets close to the number, especially in the touchdown category. But if you can get the, the 15 to 20 receptions, that that's a good season for Riley, really, especially considering 
everybody around him. You're going to have running backs that are going to be catching the football a little bit more now that David Montgomery's in there. There's there's going to be a lot of opportunities for a lot of players, but I think if you can get 15 to 20 for Riley Ridley, uh, maybe you know give him obviously maybe a touchdown or two, you'll take that because this is a what a fourth round uh, guy just that the Bears just got, but he has some talent to him. He's a good route runner. They were I think. Uh, you know, just last year, I really wanted them to get his brother, Calvin Ridley. Mm-hmm. He has some of those aspects in him where he's able to just create separation. And if you can create separation, there's no doubt in my mind he's going to get some playing time on the football field. That's exactly what you have to be able to do uh, coming from college to the NFL. Create that separation. And if he can do that, which I think he can, he's going to have some time on, on, on the field. Yeah, and you talked about maybe moving someone else into the slot, moving him a little bit outside. You do things like that you're adding a lot of size to this offense because one of the things that the Bears didn't have at the receiver position a year ago outside of Robinson, Kevin White doesn't count, was size. And that's why you're seeing them bringing in guys uh, like Ridley, who's 6'1", bringing in a guy like Cordell or Patterson, who's tall as well. So bringing in more of the size of the position is definitely uh, what I've noticed kind of being the trend. So how are they going to utilize it? How are they going to unleash it? Obviously, they saw, they saw the need for it. So why? I mean, I think we know why. There's a lack of touchdowns from the position. Adding size is definitely going to help. Move some other people around. But just some things that uh came, came to my mind when you're talking there. So I want to make sure to spew them out real fast. Uh, but for the sake of time, we're going to lump together what I'm going to call the bottom half of the position. Um, but don't discount all of these players, uh, maybe one, maybe two, um, as of right now. Um, but Marvin Hall, he's the free agent from Atlanta that we've talked about in the past. Smaller, speedster, special teams guy. Uh, Emmanuel Hall, the undrafted free agent that we've talked about in depth as well, someone that I know a few of us are very intrigued by. Uh, Tanner Gentry, yeah, he's still here. Uh, Taquan Mizell, yeah, he's still here. Uh, Thomas Ives, undrafted free agent. Jordan Williams-Lambert, free undrafted free agent as well. So guys, again, I don't think we need to hit on all these players. Um, so just to kind of do some top level, the view from 5,000 feet in the air, who's going to have the best chance to make the roster in your mind out of that group? Brandon? I've been been high on Marvin Hall throughout this offseason whenever we get the chance to talk about special teams because I think that's where he's going to make his, his impact felt. That's certainly not going to be on the offense, especially now with as crowded as the offense is. So I kind of look at him. I've got him on the bubble uh, just because I think that he can contribute to special teams. That's an area where we've seen the Bears are going to try to overhaul a little bit and get better at that. So I think that that's where he makes it if he does make it. If not, I see him getting cut. And you talked about Emmanuel Hall, too. I have him making the practice squad. Uh, but when I watched him firsthand when he came to West Lafayette at Purdue, I mean, he had four receptions for 88 yards. So 22 yards per reception, still a pretty good uh, feat. But in a 40 to 37 game where the Purdue DBs, I have to admit, are really not all that great. Uh, you would think that, or at least I would have thought anyway, that a receiver of his of his stature, the way people kind of talk him up, I figured he would have had a better game. And I go back and look at the stat line. It really wasn't all that great. And I don't really remember hearing his name all that much. So uh, I don't want to say that he's, he's going to underwhelm me, uh, but I haven't seen all that much out of him in my firsthand experience watching him. Okay. What about you, Nick? Out of this group, do you have someone who you're deeming as that best chance to make the roster? Again, not saying that they will, but has the best chance out of just these specific players. 
Yeah, so I think it's it's either one of the halls. Marvin or Emmanuel Halls probably have the best chance, and it's just because of what they're able to do, and that's be a deep threat. That's also that plays the biggest factor in this. What does Matt Nagy want out of possibly that six wide receiver position? Because when you look back at to 2015, the Bears have had six wide receivers on the 53-man roster since 2015 every single year. So I, whether that's going to be Wims as a six receiver – as I have it, or one of the halls, I think that's what it's going to come down to making this roster. Um, but I would say with Emmanuel, there's a lot that I think can be worked with. I know he doesn't have the best of hands, but he's just a burner, a 4-3, 740-yard dash. That's a guy that, and I said earlier in the podcast, Matt Nagy does like to throw the deep ball. So if you want a guy that can also be maybe a replacement for a Taylor Gabriel, maybe you're looking at that, whether it's – um. Uh, one, whichever one of the halls you want to pick and choose from, maybe that could be an option, but they also got to be whoever this six wide receiver is has to be able to contribute on special teams in some form or fashion. That's just how it goes being the bottom of the depth chart. But my money would be to give it to one of the halls as making possibly making this team. Yeah. And I think that position as well, like you said, that six guy being a special teams contributor, uh, that's even more so now due to the lack of depth at tight end because last year you had that Ben Broniker playing a ton of special team snaps. He's up on the he's up in the depth chart now. You had a you know a Daniel Brown playing special team snaps. Do you think Bradley you know Sal's gonna be playing a lot of special team snaps? Oh, did, did I did you guys lose me? Or maybe my computer just froze. No, then... I, I lost him for a second there too. But yes, internet. I thought it was me. <laughs> All right. So anyway, I was saying I don't see the tight ends on this roster really making a big. Sp- special teams impact right now like Bradley Sal mm. uh, on top of that Ben Broniker moving up the depth chart again it's hard to know what you guys heard and didn't hear so I'm trying not to repeat myself all the way um, but yes good point there Nick as the sixth guy needs to make it and I have Emmanuel Hall as well I think he's the easy choice uh, right now at this point of the race uh, you know Gentry no Mizell no Ives Williams Lambert I think they're just more camp bodies right now just seeing if you mm-hmm. have anybody um, or anything there, but that's really all I have on these guys. So uh, you guys already alluded to uh, this next one, but I just wanted to know, make it official, uh, who's going to make the roster as a wide receiver this year? Brandon, you're up first. We can start with the obvious ones and go uh, Anthony Miller, Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson. Uh, then I have Cordero Patterson, Javon Wims, and Riley Ridley. And I actually have Emmanuel Hall making the practice squad. All right, Nick. Anything different there? Um. So Robinson, Gabriel, Miller, Ridley, Patterson. That's five. So this last spot again. What are the Bears looking for? They're looking for size with Wims. They're looking for speed with either one in the halls. Oh, and do they move Wims to tight end? That right. could factor in it too. So I'm gonna. I'll give it to man. This is tough. I'll give it to Emmanuel Halls. Nope. Nope. I'll give it to Javon Wims making it for the 53. Yeah. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. And then I and then I'll, I'll piggyback off of you there, Brandon. I'll put Emmanuel Hall 
on that practice squad. But it all really factors in whether or not Javon Wims actually stays at that tight end spot. I don't know how legitimate those rumors are. Obviously, they're just rumors right now. We're, we're talked about it here. But if he does move the tight end, that does create essentially maybe one more spot for one of these bottom tier wide receivers. Yep, exactly. Uh, for me, uh, I have, you know, the obvious five. I don't need to name them again. You know who they are. Uh, I have Emmanuel Hall over Javon Wims. Wims still does have practice squad eligibility, and I don't think he would be easily as coveted as someone like Emmanuel Hall, which was a top-tier undrafted free agent, someone who uh, has a ton of upside. Another one knock on him is he's not great in terms of his receptiveness to coaching. Um, so if he does kind of go to training camp and the coaches are having a hard time getting some of their points across, that may change this entire narrative. But if he goes there with a professional attitude, uh, really kind of gets in there, uh, accepts coaching, really kind of takes to it, and they like what they see out of him, I think he's going to just have too much upside to really hide on that practice squad. And I think Javon Wims at this point of his career so far uh, would be safe in that kind of spot. All right, guys, time to end the show with a few big picture questions. And yes, over, under is back. So I know you guys are very excited about that. Uh, so number one, over or under uh, 10 touchdowns between Allen Robinson and Taylor Gabriel. They had six between the two last year. I bumped it up to 10. Can they do it over or under? Let's go to Nick. I think they can get 10 exactly honestly i, I really see uh, taylor gabriel staying at the two and alan robinson probably around eight that would be fantastic i think they actually hit that 10 marker all right 10 on the nose for nick what about you b i actually have him going over because i don't see uh anthony miller and taylor gabriel making that swing i think trubisky grew a lot more confident with taylor gabriel uh, and alan robinson so i think that those two combined can get over 10 all right, and we talked about Anthony Miller in terms of his total catches for this year, um, but just to go on record, over or under 45 catches for Anthony Miller, I think Brandon's going to go under, Nick's going to go either even or over, I, but that's just my theory. We'll see how this goes. Nick? I'm going under. No, I'm just kidding. I will go <laughs> I will go over, and I think you can get around that 50 mark, uh, playing my majority in the slot, and I think still Matt Nagy can use him a little bit more than that. Uh, we're going to see a bigger season out of Anthony Miller. Being healthy is going to be a key component to that, but knowing the offense and already having that established chemistry, you know, I think Miller's set for just statistic-wise to really go up from last season. All right, Brandon? Uh, ding, 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 you are correct. I am going under. The, you're only going to get so many chances, only so many times to throw the ball in a game. And throughout the course of the season, I'm not sure that Anthony Miller is going to be out there quite enough to quite reach 45 receptions. All right, moving on along here to the final over-under 100 rushing yards from Cordero Patterson on the season. B? I'll take the over on that. I had him replace or as the backup to Tariq. And I think if he gets his opportunities, he can make the most of them. I'll go over. Okay, Nick? Oh, man. I mean, he had 228 yards rushing on 42 rushing attempts last season. The Bears have David Montgomery, Mike Davis, Tariq Cohen. It's a stacked uh, running back room. I'm going to say under the 100 yards rushing for Cordero Patterson. All right. The odds are technically in Brandon's favor because four... It takes one jet sweep. Exactly. It could take one <laughs> big run. Um, <laughs> but... Four out of uh, Patterson's six years in the NFL prior, he did eclipse at least 100 yards on the ground. So he does it 66% <laughs> of the time. So we'll see how it goes. 
All right, uh, fill in the blank. This is new. Uh, the wideout that will lead the team in touchdowns is B. Allen Robinson. Mick? I'm going to go with Allen Robinson as well. All right. And the wideout that's going to surprise Bears fans the most this season in terms of production is going to be Nick. Anthony Miller. B. Taylor Gabriel. All right. And one final question for you guys. I actually have two. Well, actually, I have three. I'm getting way ahead of myself. Um, <laughs> but the game's on the line. Hail Mary. Which direction or whose direction are you going to be chucking that football to? Brandon. It's a good thing we don't have Kevin White he fell up a yard short. So I'm going to say Allen Robinson. He's got that the big playability. He can go get those 50-50 balls. I, I like my chances with Allen Robinson. All right. B's going A, Rob. Nick, do you agree? Man, I was going to go Kevin White. You see that Hail Mary catch? You're going to have a bunch of those. No, I'm just kidding. I, I mean, you have to give it to Allen Robinson. I think he is the guy that has showed that he can make a catch in contested you know traffic he's already shown that in the season looking back at the the eagles game there's a bunch of people around him he's the one coming down with that football so if they had to pick one of these guys on this roster i'm gonna go with a rob all right but i think anthony miller would be a good second though yeah I, i'm there. all right terry cohen's actually the the wide receiver running back that I want on that he just gets down there the fastest make, make him like a mega person you know but you guys see kicking and screaming <laughs> yes you just yes. put him on the shoulders and they'll be good right trade with him up to to uh you know Allen Robinson Robinson puts him on his shoulders and there you go simple there you go all right guys I want to know uh confidence level something that I've been wanting to do with these positions we did it last week uh, so what's your confidence level in the wide receivers on a scale of one to ten are they the deepest group on this team it sounds like it based off our conversations, but I'm curious to where your confidence level is. I'll get you a moment to think about it because I'll set the bar. I'm going to set it at nine because I believe all the talents there. Uh, we just need to see it kind of come into fruition and score some more points compared to a year ago. Last year we had decent production, but I still think some room to grow. But in terms of the talent level and the depth, I'm at a nine, very confident in this group. What about you, Nick? Guys, before I give mine, I'm just going to read off the wide receiver group that was in 2017. You ready for this? Oh, no. <laughs> Here you go. Six wide receivers on this roster. Kevin White, Kendall Wright, Marcus Wheaton, Deontay oh, no. Thompson, Joshua Bellamy, Trey McBride. Holy crap. The, the turnover at that position is incredible. You know what? I'm going to go 9.5, Will. I am very confident in this group. They have a guy for everything that they want. If you want speed, you got Taylor Gabriel. You want route running. They can all really do that. Everything is there for Mitch Trubisky to have a fantastic 2019 season. And these wide receivers, if they can stay healthy, which I hopefully they can, they can have a great season and be a lot more productive than they were in year one of Matt Nagy's offense. So 9.5 have all the confidence in this group. All right, Brandon, we got nine. We got 9.5. Are you going to continue the trend? I am, but I think 2017 was the year, despite those great wide receivers that you named Nick, that Trey McBride and Josh <laughs> Bellamy got in a fight over their girlfriend or something like that. I don't remember, yeah, but yep. that's what I thought. But uh, I'm going to raise the bar one more. I'm going to go a 9.75 because I think regardless at number six, if it's Javon Wims or if it's Emmanuel Hall or if it's Marvin Hall even, you can plug and play those guys, and they have a threat to bring to the field each time. And I can't remember the last time we ever said that about a Bears wide receiver room. 
other than the wide receivers threatening each other. So I, I think that uh, this is a very deep, talented group, the one that I am most confident in. Uh, we went from least confident last week with tight ends to now the most confident, I think, in wide receivers. How quickly the tables turn, guys. All right, when it comes to the wide receivers at training camp, final question of the show, what are you going to be paying attention to from this unit? Obviously, uh, this is what we talk about for the entire show, but if you need to you know, boil it down into some just basic things that you're going to be paying attention to or things that you're most excited to watch at training camp out of the wide receivers, I'm curious, what are those going to be? And Brandon, I'm going to let you begin. Route running, especially with everybody, and as good as the DBs are, I want to know who can shake who and who's gotten better. And we know how good Anthony Miller is. I want to see uh, how him and Buster Screen go at each other because we know we've kind of given Buster a little bit of slack, not the best nickel corner out there. So I want to see those two go head-to-head because I think that would be a real interesting matchup. But route running overall. All right. What about you, Nick? Yeah, really looking forward to seeing what Anthony Miller can do in the slot because he's, like we mentioned earlier in this podcast, he's a little animated. He's going to definitely get into the face of whatever DB's guarding him, and you like to see that. I've always liked wide receivers have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, play with those emotions. So uh, I am looking forward to seeing that. But Anthony or uh, A-Rob versus Kyle Fuller, that's always a good matchup as yep. well, seeing your top two you know, guys uh, for your corner, for your wide receiver go at it. That's going to be a great matchup. There's a lot of fun little uh, matchups that are going to be happening during training camp, but those are the two I'm really looking forward to. All right, for me, uh, just a few bullets here. Uh, number one, what are they doing with Cordero Patterson? What's that role looking like? Number two, do they take it easy with Anthony Miller early on as he's rehabbing, getting stronger from that shoulder? And if they do, who's that next wide receiver in his place? Is that Cordell or Patterson? Is it a Riley Ridley? Who are they moving into that position? Or do they move Taylor Gabriel into the slot, Ridley outside? So many different avenues that the Bears can kind of deploy. I'd be very curious to see what those are. Uh, of course, you guys talked about uh, Robinson versus Fuller. Well, what about that Mitch and A-Rob connection? Obviously, that's vital. Uh, we saw it begin a year ago at camp. Remember that? Like four or five practices in when they started to finally click connect. And then we really saw it in the in the wild card games. I want to see where that's at now with a full offseason to work on it. Are there any signs for Javon Wims at the U tight end? Or is it all just kind of hoopla? And lastly, you guys talked about the one-on-ones. But for me, I'm looking forward to those, especially when they do those red zone drills because the Bears have a great red zone secondary and they're going up against a wide receiver unit that really needs to prove that they can do some damage in the red zone, to put it bluntly, this season. So for me, that's something I'm definitely looking forward to as well. All righty. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of the Chicago Audible. And just like that, we're another week closer to training camp. And hey, if you didn't know, only 14 weeks, 98 days away from the Bears versus Green Bay to kick things off week one. Thanks to everybody who tuned into the live show. And for those who are listening to the podcast, really, no matter where you are and how you consume our show, you know that we appreciate each and every one of you. We'll be back next week to preview the Bears running backs right before we head over to Bears 100 weekend. A couple questions to hold you over to pass the time. Can David Montgomery handle the bulk of the carries as a rookie? How will Tariq Cohen's role change? Will it at all? Where does Mike Davis fit into this picture? We're going to answer those questions and, of course, a whole lot more next week. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down, Chicago